You know, it's a good day when there are people sitting behind me on the platform, right? It means I'm probably not talking a lot, and they are. And don't you just love to hear stories? Don't you love to hear people's testimonies? Who gets encouraged by testimonies? Okay, well, y'all are going to like it the other half. I don't know. You'll struggle. But, or next time you'll raise your hand faster, right? So we are, we're wrapping up this series called At the Movies. Um, we've been doing this all month of July. Every Sunday we've had a different movie that we've kind of featured. We've shown some clips. Some movies we show more clips than others. Um, today, not as many clips, but still the movie is, is important. I want to, before we introduce the movie, explain to you again why we do this kind of stuff, right? So our heart is to proclaim the gospel, right? We want to clearly communicate Jesus Christ, and that's, you know, we don't, ever, we don't ever make any bones about that. Like, obviously, we are nuts about Jesus because he's nuts about us, and so we, we want to be very clear, and we value, um, like, creative communication as well. Have you ever heard somebody be so creative that it wasn't clear? Like, you're like, well, that was a really cool illustration. I have no idea what it means, but that was cute. Like, sometimes you can get too clever, and so we really try hard not to do that. We try to, like, make sure the message is what stands out. So all that to say this. Sometimes it's easy to misunderstand, right? And you can, and I'm, you can come to church and go, oh, so they're showing movie clips so we can take the month off, right? Like, just sit back. No, no, we're showing movie clips so you'll never see these movies the same again. That's why we're showing these clips, right? So when Jesus would talk to people and he would go, so this is a mustard seed. And all those people would be like, uh, yeah, Jesus, we already knew that. We see these all the time. And then he would say something about the kingdom that was related to that mustard seed. And he would do it in such a way that they never saw a mustard seed the same again. That's what a parable is for, right? So when we do at the movies, and we take these four movies and we talk about them, it's not like, oh, we're just chilling on Jesus and we're just going to watch movies. No, no, the point here is that you'll never watch these four movies the same again, right? You may not have been with us the first week, but we did Transformers. That was fun, right? And I've had so many conversations in the month of July with y'all about that helicopter scene, right? Now, you might have been, you might have seen Transformers a million times, and probably so because it's on TV about every Saturday, but I bet you never saw that scene that way, and you'll never see it again the same from this point forward. You'll always see that helicopter scene as, holy cow, am I letting the enemy in to my life? And that's the point, right? So all the movies that we've picked are so that when you watch them, you won't see them the same. You'll see the gospel truth in them so you can have conversations. Besides, how many of you have ever, have ever walked up to a coworker and said, hey, God told me we should have a conversation. Turn to Leviticus, please. Have you ever done that? I, 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 I kind of hope not, right? But you probably have had a conversation about the last football game you watched or the last um, event you went to, the last concert, the last movie that you saw. And so when you can show the gospel message in things that people can relate to, man, it just opens it all up and it's powerful. Anyway, all that so that you know again, here's why we took four weeks to go through that to movies. Just to make it, we want to be clear. That was clear, wasn't it? Perfectly clear, right? So today, the last movie is Christopher Robin. Raise your hand if you saw Christopher Robin. All right. These are, you're my tribe, right? The rest of you, I don't know, but you're over here. They all, and they all sat in the same section. You know what I'm They're all right here. All the Christopher Robin people are right here. Um, I haven't seen it. I, I, mean, I really haven't. I know what it's about, though. Um, I will see it because I've seen so much of it just pre preparing for this. Um, 
So I want to show you, tell you what it's about, and not I won't spoil it for you, okay? Um, and then they've got some of them have some insight into it as well. That was really good, by the way. Anyway, here's what it's about: the tall guy, that's Christopher Robin, and he helps find a lot of the short people, and then later in the movie, the short people help to find the tall guy. There's a lot of seeking and, and finding in this movie. And, and when they help to find him, what they're really doing is they're helping him find his purpose. What he was made for. What his, why was it so important what he was like as a kid? And don't lose that. And don't forget who you, all that stuff, okay? So a lot, of, a lot of searching and finding. Now, here's what I know. That's a message that rings true in church, right? We talk about search and rescue missions and Jesus came from heaven to find us and all this stuff. But sometimes what happens is if I ask you this question, I'm going to ask you quickly and you're going to say yes, okay? How many of you, by raising your hands, would say the gospel message is for everyone? Raise your hand. Okay. That was close. Better than 9 o'clock, but not good enough. That was a layup question, right? I know I've been in church too where the preacher says, raise your hand if, and you're like, it's a trick question. It's a trick question. But it's not, right? This is not a trick question. The gospel is for all people. The Bible says that God desires that no man would perish, right? He sent us into the whole world to share the gospel. So how many of you believe that the gospel is for all of us? Raise your hand. There you go. Everybody got 100, right? So, um, what, sometimes what we do is we go all in on that. Like, yeah, it's for everybody, but he only uses some people to tell people. Like the, the good people, the people that can communicate clearly, the people that can sing really well. He uses those people, but I don't know if I have a place. So I want you to see this really short clip, very, very short clip featuring one of my favorite characters, Piglet. Here we go. Okay, so um, while they throw the big idea up on the screen, turn to the person next to you and say, we need you. You didn't say that with conviction because you're talking to your spouse, right? Now, we need you, right? So here's the big idea today. The preaching of a gospel that's for all of us will take all of us. That's what I want you to get from, uh, there's a lot more in Christopher Robin, but that's the big idea, right? The gospel is for all of us, and if it's for all of us, and it is, it's going to require all of us to proclaim that gospel, right? Not just a few, but all. Now, we got four people on the platform and the reason they're here is because they won the lottery, the guest speaker lottery. No, I'm kidding. Um, they've all been on mission trips in the last month and a half or two months, and they've all been to different places, even though I know y'all went to the same country, but different cities. They've all had different experiences preaching the same gospel. And so I want them to share with you kind of what they experienced, some of their takeaways. Um, they got some really cool pictures. You're going to love those. And, and I want you to, what I want you to take away from this is this, that God's not calling professional people to go proclaim the gospel. He's calling all of us, no matter where we are, no matter where we work, no matter what we do, he's calling all of us to be a part of that amazing opportunity, the preaching of the gospel for all. So this is Anya Godwin, and she went to Mexico. I nailed it. I don't know. Elizabeth Waters, and she went to Swaziland. This is Parker Jenkins. I know him. He went to Swaziland. And this is Michelle Kimmer. And she went everywhere else that they did not, <laughs> apparently. She went, anyway, Vonit anyway Papua New Guinea. It's, that's the easy one to say. So they're all going to take their turns sharing, and I'm going to go down there and sit next to Winnie and take notes. Here we go. How do we welcome people when they come to speak at the gathering? 
Good morning. So I went to Merida, Mexico, and Merida is in the Yucatan Peninsula. It is about 300 miles northwest of Cancun. I know most people are familiar with Cancun, and Merida is not a familiar place to most of us, um, but that's where it is located. And this is a trip that I have done every year for the last 12 years. It's been a real blessing to do that. I go with Cedar Grove Methodist Church out of Norwood, and I, my job on the team is I serve as the translator. And for these last 10 years, we've actually gone to the same church um, in Merida, and I have a picture of that. You can see the top picture is in 2009, the first year that we went to that church, what it looked like, and the second picture is what it looked like this year when we were there. Our main goal, our first, well, our first goal, we have two big goals when we go. The first one is to help provide a physical need. And with a lot of the mission churches in Mexico, they are in need of buildings. And so we go and we help build the building. And I'm not a construction worker, and neither is anyone else on my crew. And we go down and we work with these three professional masons who help teach us how to lay block and mix cement and lay floors and all these things that they need for their building. And so this is how far we've come with their building. And this year we actually did some painting in the rooms that needed to be done. But our second goal and our big desire is that we're hopefully able to help meet spiritual needs in the community and in the church. And that's where my big job comes into play because not only do I work with the Masons and help say, here's what we need today, here's how many blocks we need, here's how many rocks we need, but I coordinate and do the Bible school each night with the kids. And what we do on Sundays after we spend worship time together with the church we divide up with the elders of the church, and we prayer walk through the community, and we invite families and their kids to come and spend the evenings with us that week. And it starts off with a smaller group of kids usually. We usually have about 20 on the first night, but by the end of the week, we have about 80 kids that come because they want to see all the gringos and, and know what's going on and play games and all that stuff. Well, each year, we try to... to figure out what stories we're going to do and share for Bible school each night. So we spent a lot of time praying over those things. And this year it was really cool because we were able to share with them the importance of prayer. And not just for our own lives. Um, we shared the story of David and Goliath. And we shared the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And we talked about why it was so important for them to be praying uh, in their lives. And what that looked like for David to be able to face his giants and how we can face giants. But we also got to share the story of the paralytic man who was lowered um, through the roof to the feet of Jesus by his friends. And so we got to talk about intercessory prayer and what that looks like to pray for others in our lives. And that night was really special because we did prayer bracelets as our craft. And so we had the kids all make one for themselves and we had them spend time praying over each bead. And we prayed through the fruits of the spirit for them to pray for a friend and for them to then give that, bra that bracelet to a friend that they were praying for that night. And that was really, really cool. Um, what's really awesome about the fact that we've been able to go to this church for 10 years is the relationships that we've built. And life is all about relationships. Uh, it's not just for us to share little things together, but it's to share life with each other. You know, Jesus shared relationships. That was how he made disciples. And that's how we share Jesus with others is through 
sharing life with others. And in being believers together, not only are we sharing life, but we're able to encourage each other when we are in a fog or when we're struggling with, um, with situations. And this year was really cool because we were able to be a part of a wedding for one of the couples that we've known now for several years. They've been dating for four years at this point, and they planned having their wedding around when we were coming so we could be there. And that was so special. And we were able to, um, we were able to see six of our friends be baptized that Sunday at church. Um, four of them we have known since they were toddlers, and they're now teenagers, and they were baptized. And two of them were teenagers when we first met them, and they're now adults, but they had left the church for a while. And they, they have come back in the last two years, and they've brought their families back. And this church, it's been so awesome to work with them because we're only there for a week, but they're there all the time. And it's really cool to partner with someone who's cultivating and growing in an area because when you go back, you can see what's changed and you, you can see how God has continued to work there. And it's not about you. It's about what God's doing there. And so we've watched this church grow from about 15 families to about 80 or 90 families now. And it's just, it's so amazing. It's so amazing to see God's work and, and what God does through everyone. This year, there are two little things I'll share and then I'll, I'll stop. But I had the opportunity to sit and talk with one of the elders that we've become really close to, and he's the main guy who coordinates picking us up at the airport and all of those things, and that we coordinate every year, okay, what's our job this year, this is how many people we have coming, this is how many hammocks we need, and he opened up this year with some, some of his heart's desires and things that he's been praying for. This mission at this church, the name of this church is uh, Camina Verdad en Vida, which means the way, the truth, and the life. And his heart was 15 years ago, he was praying over whether or not he and his wife should step out and do a church plant in this neighborhood. And he was given the opportunity to do so. And it's such a slow process there for them to build things just because of lack of resources, lack of money. And so a lot of times it takes mission teams from the U.S. coming down to help build and, and provide the finances for whatever that project is going to be that year. And that year it may just be one room is built, and that's all they have until the next year. And he shared with us this year about how this has been his prayer for over 15 years, and this is how far this church has come now. And it's really cool to see God use us as a body, an international body of believers to support each other. Um, this year we also had, um, I've never been sick internationally or traveling before, and I got sick this year. One of the girls on our team, she brought a stomach bug with her unknowingly, and I got sick halfway through the week, and in Mexico it is so hot, <laughs> and um, I couldn't do anything but lay in my hammock and uh, drink Pedialyte and have fans on me, and it was still so hot. And I called my husband Chase that afternoon, and I was just in tears. And I said, it is so hot. I need it to rain. It needs to rain so bad because we had not had any rain that week. And the only way it cools down there is if there's an afternoon rain, and then it'll be cool at night. And 
he prayed with me and he said, um, he said, the rain's coming, it's coming tonight. And, um, and we get off the phone and the other lady on my team who was sharing a room with me, she had been standing outside listening to us and listening to Chase pray with me. And she said, that was a very bold prayer. And I said, well, we serve a very bold God. And I said, so we're going to believe that it's coming. <laughs> and at 8 o'clock that night, as we sat down to dinner, and all the Mexicans laughed at me because I told them I was praying for rain. And they said, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. And at 8 o'clock, we sat down to eat, and it started pouring rain. And it rained for about 20 minutes that night. <laughs> so thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, is it cool if I pray real quick? Cool. Thanks. I'm going to do that. Hi, God. I just pray for Holy Spirit to flow through me and just say what needs to be said, God. And I pray for open hearts and just for everyone to be able to receive what they need and me to speak what needs to be said. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. All right. Can I teach you guys how to say hey, y'all, in um, Siswati? All right. So repeat after me. Saubona. Cool. Now I'm going to teach you how to say praise God. Are we ready? Suga Nguku. Okay, now just yell it. Suga Nguku. Okay, that's not how you say praise God. That's how you say move chicken. I needed that for my own amusement. Thank you. But I do want to talk about the word Salbona. So I was on a team with um, 12 other people, and Salbona was a big thing in our group. So in Siswati, in Swaziland, how they say hello is Salvona. And that just kind of translates in English to I see you, not kind of. It's the literal translation. It means I see you. That was a big thing in our group. I see you. Just like any time we see somebody like Salvona, it's like, wow, they see me. And, you know, that's kind of like God saying that to you every time someone says that. Um, he sees what we need in the time we need it. And he gives us exactly what we need in the time we need it, which is like, I don't know why I doubted that, but it's something really special that I got to experience on this trip. So going off of like Salbona and just like the whole meaning behind that, going into the trip, I related a lot to Piglet in the clip we saw. You can ask Parker, you can ask any of the Jenkins, I was scared. I was like, Lord, why did you call me of all people? Like, I just feel like I'm not worthy. I'm like... I just can't do this. I can't go into the bush of Africa and say your name. I was just scared. But he grabbed my hand and he said, no, Elizabeth, I need you. I need you to go. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll go, whatever. So I went. And so I prayed a lot while I was there. I was like, God, you called me. Why the heck am I here? And I kept praying and I kept praying. And one day I met this girl named Paulette. And I'm just going to, I'm about to hear the story of why I was in Swaziland. So Paulette and me have a lot in common. Um, a little bit about me before I tell the story. I'm actually an orphan. I lost both of my parents at a very, very young age. And I have lived with my grandfather for the past 17 years. Um, so I've just experienced a lot of, like, negative stuff and, you know, everything that comes with being an orphan in America. Um, and I got to meet this girl named Paulette. And we were just sitting. I was telling her my testimony. And she goes, Elizabeth, I want to, like, confide in you something. She was like, I lost both of my parents to AIDS. And I, our stories are just so similar. Because, like, right now I'm going to school for theater. And she says, I want to be an art teacher. And I was like, well, hello, my twin from Africa. Um, so that was really cool. That I was just, like, 
called all the way across the world to connect to someone like that, and I got to tell her about her heavenly father. Because, you know, neither of us have earthly fathers, which is fine. Like, we don't, it's great to have those, but we don't necessarily need those, you know. So that was my pur purpose in Swaziland. There are so many orphan children in poverty and just struggling, but I got to go and share with them their heavenly father. So that's kind of what my bono was while I was there. God saw what I needed. God, God used what I had been through, and he was like, here, take this and show my love. Spread that to other people, which is just really, really cool. So, yeah, I think that's why I was there. I got to spread his love, talk about a heavenly father. Um, and, you know, Paulette blessed me in more ways than she will ever really know. Um, like to her, I'm probably just another missionary, like, coming through, like, oh, yeah, cool. The white chick who brings me food. Fine. But she impacted my life so, so much. Anyway, so I want to talk about what I actually did at the Care Points. Um, so I was on the World Race Semesters trip to Swaziland, and it was partnered with Children's Hope Chest. Now, what Children's Hope Chest does is it goes and it sponsors these Care Points where kids can go during the day or after school, and they can have a meal. They can just have a safe place to live. Well, not really live, but a safe place to be. Because in their homes, um, their parents usually work in the sugarcane field. So they're in the sugarcane field from like 6 a.m. to like 9 o'clock at night, and they just don't get to see their parents. So it's a nice, safe place for kids to be. Because in Insogo, it's just like impoverished, and it's the bush, and there's drug problems, prostitution problems. So what Children's Hope Chess wants to do is really just like keep kids safe and give them a nice, warm meal. So you can show the picture. This is my buddy Eno. Is he not the cutest thing you've ever seen? Like, t look at that face and tell me you're not in love. Um, um, he's one of the kids that I got really close to at the care point, and I have decided to actually partner with Children's Hope Chest and sponsor a kid. And what um, what happens in sponsorship is basically through primary school, it's like $15 a month, and then it like goes up as they go up through school. And basically, I get to send a kid to school. I get to give them a meal. They get clothes. I just really get to provide for him, and I get to go um, see them anytime I want. So when I get back to school and... Um, I get back to working and, like, making money and um, getting donations. I would really love to find Eno on the um, sponsorship page and just send him through school because he starts school in two years. And, like, the Lord just really laid him on my heart. Like, he was my best friend while I was there. He was attached to my hip, and, oh, I love him. I can't wait to go back and see him and Paulette. I'm just so excited. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's really amazing what Children's Hope Chest has done, like, what the Lord has done through them, what the Lord's doing through me. But what... I really wanted to share, other than, you know, Sabona and Children's Hope Chest and all that good stuff, um, is that mission and everything that we've done, all four of us have done, is not about saving people. Like, that's already been done. Like, Jesus saved them. We're here. We're good. But it's about bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. Because, like, when we let Holy Spirit flow through us and we just let th this goodness just flow through us, it's bringing heaven to earth, and you're impacting the people, no matter what nation you're from, no matter what nation you're in, whether you're in Swaziland, Mexico, Australia, or, like, Albemarle, North Carolina. Like, there's a mission there. So, thank you. Sani Bonani, Bazaran. Hello, brethren. Ninjani, how are you? 
And then Yabulge is, oh yeah, in Siswati. Um, hi everyone, I'm Parker, and I also went to Swaziland, or the Kingdom of Eswatini, uh, for the whole month of June. Um, and I stayed in Manzini, Elizabeth stayed in Insogo. Um, so I want to tell a little bit about why I went on this trip. That's something I totally left out for service, so sorry guys. Um, so originally I was signed up to go to Cambodia and Thailand, and then that trip filled up. And then uh, I was like, you know what, I'll go, because that was a two-month trip, and I'm like, I want to be gone for two months. So then I signed up for the two-month South Africa trip, which was in Sogo and Jeffreys Bay in South Africa, and then that trip filled up. So I found myself on this one-month trip to Manzini, a city I'd never heard of, um, in the middle of Eswatini. Um, and before I left, I found an old journal that I had written from Pastor Harriet back at First Assembly. Um, and I had a dream when I was 12 of African drums and a tribal leader, and he had red, blue, and yellow paint on his face. And, well, those are the colors of the Swaziland flag. And specifically in Manzini, they have Swaziland flags everywhere. The city's practically yellow. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's so cool. And that just shows how, like, God calls us. Like, he needs us as a team. Speaking of my team, if you would show that first picture, that's my team and I. And if you would show the next picture, that's us with our um, transportation host. His name was TK. We fit oh, uh, nine of us in a five-passenger bus to go everywhere on the unpaved, bumpy African roads. Oh, it was wild, because we stayed on the side of a mountain in Manzini. Um, Manzini is the second largest city in Eswatini. Um, and when I say second largest, I mean it's probably smaller than Albemarle, just to put things into perspective for you guys here. Um, but we lived about half an hour on the side of a mountain away from the city. Um, and our care points where we served every day, those were on across the street on the side of another mountain. And then we had to go down to reach those. There were four. So my team and I, total of eight people, we split up into groups and each took a care point. So if you could go to the next picture, that's me um, being berated by children wanting to play with my hair. Um, they love long hair because men there don't have long hair. They all thought I was a woman at first, <laughs> which was, that was fun. Also, I cooked for my team, and their men don't cook. Only women cook, because you won't get married if you're a guy that cooks, because wife, your wife will think that it's a competition, and she'll be offended. Fun fact. So if you're a guy like me that cooks, don't get married in Swaziland. Um, but they, like, ripped out a chunk of my hair, which was, that was fun. Um, but if you go to the next picture, this is the front half of the classroom that I taught in in my care point. And the next picture is the back half. So that classroom, it was at the care point Timbutini 2. It wasn't sponsored by any church, so it literally had nothing. Um, my classroom was probably about the size of this section of chairs. Actually, probably not even that big. Super small, trying to cram 25 kids, me and a teacher in there who don't understand English. The teacher spoke broken English, but she was super helpful in like motioning and trying to translate. Um, but we taught preschool for the first half of the day, and that was awesome. Um, it was small, and it was cramped, and they were really energetic and wild and just loved to jump on you. Um, but we got to love on those kids. And then if you would just flip through uh, the rest of those pictures, um, that's at Timbutini 1, one of the other care points. But in my care point, um, we had two classrooms. We had a large rec room with nothing in it, and we had a shack where there was a fire pit that we cooked in. Every morning, the kids had sour porridge, which tastes about as good as it sounds. Awful. It tastes like oatmeal with, like, Sour Patch Kids in it. It was uh, something new. 
And then for lunch, they had rice and vegetables, and that's all they had. And for some of those kids, that's the only meal they had that day. They had to bring their own plates in order to be fed, and that was it. Um, but being there really opened my eyes, especially with my team, because we were all from such different backgrounds, um, and a lot of us from broken situations, myself included. Um, so being with a, such a small team and having to come together as a cohesive group, even though we're so different, whether it's at the care points or if it's street ministry or if it's at the local churches or even if it's just walking in the city, um, because a lot of us were broken, it at first was kind of scary. Like, hey, these people are so different from me. They're different experiences from me. How do I approach that? But the cool thing about God is when you take a bunch of broken glass pieces and put them together, you can make a stained glass window. And that allows the Lord to shine more vibrantly through you and through my team, which is what we did at those care points, loving on those kids. Um, also, the Holy Spirit, if you know him, he's super cool, quite a personality, um, loves the shock factor. Um, you know those stories that you hear about people on mission trips, about all the crazy stuff happening, and you're like, wow, I want to be a part of that. Well, I was a part of that, and it totally freaked me out for a hot minute at the beginning. Um, one time... We, as a team, were just chilling out, talking, and totally turned into a Holy Spirit moment. Um, one of my teammates, her name was Brittany, she was really struggling with a situation that she really thought God had said yes to. Um, but then that door shut hard, and she was really confused because she's like, God, you told me yes. Like, it was loud and clear, and I'm, I don't know what to do now. Um, so while we were on the trip, she had a dream, and it was super, super vivid, um, and it would take too long to explain what happened. Um, but while she's explaining it, the Holy Spirit heartbeat is pounding, and I'm like, Brittany, this is what your dream means. And the Holy Spirit, through me, interpreted her dream, was spot on about things that I had no idea, like that I wouldn't have known from what she had shared about the team. While that's happening, one of my other teammates, uh, Izzy, she writes a song in five minutes um, that totally sums up everything the Holy Spirit was teaching our team while we were there, was that the Lord is a safe house. He is a refuge in times of trouble in the storm. Um, and that you can sit in the safe house and rest and listen, and he's there. Because if any of you know me, you know that I don't rest at all, even at school. Like, I'm double majoring and minoring and pre-med and do student theater and have a job and do everything else. I host friends, try to take care of everyone. My life is just crazy, so I, I, there's no time for me to rest. But what the Lord really taught me on this trip was it's okay to rest, but even in the busy schedule, it's okay to find those moments of rest. Rest doesn't have to be take an entire day off and just sit. It's resting in him throughout the day, which was super cool. Um, and I just want to close on a scripture that I came to me while um, we were at prayer last Wednesday because um, I was really like, what do I, God, what do you want me to say? Um, I have to sum an entire year uh, or not an entire year, an entire month, up into like seven, eight minutes. How am I going to do that? Um, and God showed me Colossians 2, 6 through 7, and I really love the message translation. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live in him. You're deeply rooted in him. You are well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it and let your living spill out into thanksgiving. And that just really struck me, the part that said, like, rooted in him. Because when we arrived to Swaziland, we thought we were going to be doing one thing, 
And that totally changed. We were like, it was like a shot in the dark. It was like we were jumping off a bridge with a bungee cord and just hoping that it wouldn't snap. It was a total leap of faith because we thought we were going to be doing sports ministry, but then we didn't have translators. So how could we translate it for those kids? And it just, we didn't even know we were going to be teaching preschool. And then we're thrown in like, oh, teach preschool, which was crazy. Um, but the thing is, if you're rooted in Christ, you can take those leaps of faith and still feel grounded. You still feel secure, even when you're in the unknown. So I want to leave you with that. There's mission all around us. The world races one of their slogans is life is mission and mission is life. And that's so true. I learned that on this trip, even in the streets, that there's always opportunities. And when you're rooted in him, trust in him, and are actively listening and resting in the Holy Spirit, you'll find those opportunities. Thank you. Hi, guys. Um, so my name is Michelle, like Paul said earlier, and he didn't announce where I went, so I'm going to tell you now. Um, so I went to Vanuatu, the Solomon Islands, and Papua New Guinea. You've probably only heard of Papua New Guinea, and that's okay because I had only heard of Papua New Guinea before, too. Um, so these places, they're island countries that are right off, well, they're not right off the coast of Australia because it took a three-hour plane ride from Australia to get there. But um, if you look them up, you'll see that it's like near Australia. Um, but, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my trip. I was there for a month. We spent nine to 11 days in each different country um, and a lot of travel time. But I first want to start off with saying thanks to everyone who donated to my trip and prayed for my trip because there's no way that I could have done this without the sacrifices that people made to pray for me and to donate. So really big thank you for that. Um, so I had the opportunity to go on this trip through my college, Southeastern University. Um, they're an AG school, so they strongly believe in missions, and they send out about 60 mission trips each year. They send out ones over the summer that are month-long, two months long. They send out some over spring break that are only week-long trips, but they send them out all over the world. So I was gone May 12th through June June 10th, not 12th, June 10th. Um, but so... This was a groundbreaking trip, not only for me, because it was actually my first time out of the country. I know I dove headfirst into the waters with going all the way around the world, literally. Um, but it was also a groundbreaking trip for my school. Um, it was the first time that Southeastern had sent a trip to this region of the world, which was really cool to be a part of, to be groundbreaking for that, and then also going and making relationships with missionaries and the people in these countries. So that was really cool. Um, because of that, our main purpose was to go and to be a light to these missionaries that are over there to really encourage them and to help them with everything that they needed. Um, so a lot of you in here and a lot of other people have asked me, Michelle, what did you do on your trip? Like, give me some ideas of what you did. And my answer to them is I literally... <clears throat> Did everything you could think of doing on a mission trip, anything that pops in your head, you're like, oh, they might do that. I did it. Um, so, but I wrote some things down just to give you an idea. So we did physical labor, street evangelism, prison ministry. They actually led us into all three levels of prison in Vanuatu, which was really cool. We taught kids at a school. We went to Teen Challenge facility, um, which I didn't know they had outside the U.S., but I guess Teen Challenge is worldwide, and we got to go speak to the men that were in there. Um, we got to stay at Bible colleges and encourage the Bible students because um, everyone on our team actually is ministry students, which is really cool, so we got to encourage them in that. Um, 
We did hospital ministry, village ministry, and we led over 16 services, and that includes youth services as well, which was really cool. And these services are minimum four hours. Uh, maximum we stayed in was seven hours, and we ate at 2 a.m. that night dinner. Um, so that was a fun time. But God did so many amazing things on this trip, and I don't have time to tell you even, like, an 18th of the stories that happened, but even when we were tired from riding six hours in the back of a truck, which you'll see a picture of later, or after a five-hour boat ride with a girl who gets motion sickness really, really easily, um, you know, we still had to do services after that, and God still showed up, so I want to read something that I wrote in my journal on this trip. Gotta find it. Okay, so (laughs) I wrote this after a whole day of traveling, um, So with these islands, you have to travel everywhere, and it's at least like an hour drive or a five-hour boat ride or a plane ride or something like that um, because things aren't really close together. So keep in mind, this is after I was so tired. I was falling asleep in this five-hour service. Um, It says, okay, so I just prayed for about 30 people. So many tears were shed, but I got to pray for young people, old people, and teenagers. The prayers ranged from musicians to school to healing to family to even a salvation. Young one, one young lady got saved. So it's just been really encouraging to me to look back and read through my journal entries and to read what I wrote because um, I didn't realize how tired I was at the moment of writing this. But I did when I got home. I was like, wow, you were really grumpy, Michelle. <laughs> like, I don't know what was wrong with me. But um And this is just one of the services that God showed up even when, like, we would not have expected him to. Um, So I want to read a verse from Revelation 12.11. You probably, most of you have probably heard it. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, I wanted to read this because one of the main things that we did on this trip was we all got to share our testimonies multiple, multiple times, um, which was really cool because I actually got to see this verse play out like in real life like in real time so before this trip the Lord healed my knee completely healed I had a torn meniscus I was in pain for two years Um, at one point I couldn't even bend it completely healed now won't go into all the details but just know that it's better Um, and so we were arriving at this market and they had asked us to do street ministry which we thought we were going to you know, do street evangelism where you walk up to someone and be like, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, no, okay, then we'll tell you about him. Well, we arrived, and they had this whole platform set up for us with speakers and microphones, and they had, like, this whole service that they were doing. We had no idea. We were not prepared for any of this. So my leaders, love them, so casually turn around, and they're like, Michelle, would you mind to share your testimony? I was like, Sure. And so I did on a whim. And as I was walking up there, I felt the Lord really impress on me, share about your knee. And I was like, I haven't really ever shared about my knee. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say about my knee. Because I'm a really long storyteller. Um, And if I get in to start talking about stories, you'll be here for like two hours. But um, so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, I've never talked about it in front of people. Like, I don't know. Um, So I went up there and I said what needed to be said. But The funny thing was, is I didn't have an interpreter, so nobody could understand what I was saying. Um, At least I thought they couldn't. Nobody could grasp the concept of what I was saying. So later in the day, somebody called for an altar call after, like, my team got finished 
saying whatever they were going to say um, and asked people to come up if they needed prayer for anything in their life, really, um, not specifically healing. But five people ended up getting healed. Um, people who couldn't hear were able to hear a woman whose back wasn't straight, her spine straightened right up. Um, so that was really cool to see, but it was all because I was faithful in talking about my testimony and what I had gone through, that the Lord was able to use that and work in other people's lives, which I thought was really cool. Um, but what's really funny is today, all four of us are up here sharing testimonies about what God did on our trip. And, you know, I firmly believe that testimonies impact people. Um, and I really believe that it's impacting some of you in here today. You're hearing these stories and you're like, oh, wow, you know, that really stuck out to me. Or, wow, I need to go research this more. Um, or, wow, I need to sponsor a child um, or something like that. You know, we can all be a part of this mission field. But I didn't know he was talking about Christopher Robin. I didn't even know there was going to be a movie clip today. Um, but I've never seen it. But just based on what Paul said, you know, I don't have the same story as everyone else. And actually, before this trip, I felt really inadequate to share my testimony because um, I don't really have the whole, like, I was doing something bad and God pulled me from it story. Like, the whole, like, you know, you expect when people share testimonies, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Um, I really don't have that. And so I felt inadequate. Um, and then I went on this trip, and I ended up being one of the persons who shared my testimony the most on the trip, which was funny. Um but, you know, I don't have the same story as Allison. I don't have the same story as Paul. You know, it takes all of us to come together because I can't relate to something that somebody else has gone through. But, you know, Elizabeth might be able to. Um, it takes all of us to come together. We're all needed in the body of Christ. We're all needed in missions. Um, we're all needed to share the love of Jesus. Um, so I just want to encourage you in that today. If you feel like you don't have a part or you don't have a role in this, and this is like, body of Christ, you do, trust me, because I need you um, to th talk on things that I can't talk on, um, and you probably need me to talk on things that you don't have experience in, so it's all a cohesive working together thing. Um, so that's all I have to say, because I can't really go into the details of my trip as far as, like, what we did, because I did go to three places, and each place was extremely different, but I do want to show you some pictures of the places, um, and if you want to come and talk to me, that's my team, come to talk to me afterwards, or have any questions about any of the places that I went, um, or their culture, or anything like that, feel free, I don't bite, um, if you don't know me, come get to know me, so this is my team, this is 12 of us, there were a crazy bunch, so it was really fun. So this is when we were in Vanuatu. We did village ministry in Mele Village, which is the largest um, village in Vanuatu. Um, we handed out Bibles in their native tongue, which is Bishlama. And um, these are some kids that I got to meet and to give candy to because my mom sent me with candy, of course. <laughs> Um, this was a school that we went to. It was called Green Hill School. And what was really cool about this school is because that building that you see in the back that's not quite built, um, that building's being built with BGMC money or Buddy Barrel money, which is what the AG children, like AG church, um, the children's ministry does. They collect money. I did it as a kid. We don't do it here. Hopefully we'll start soon. But um, so it was really cool for me to see, like, you know, I gave money um, when I was a kid, and it actually goes towards building buildings. Um, so that was really awesome to see. 
plus the kids were just fun. This is the truck that we rode in for six hours. If you can imagine, I think there should be about three more people in the back of that truck with us for the six-hour ride. And then the truck that you see kind of behind it, that truck was raised with Speed the Light money, and it's a Speed the Light vehicle, which is another thing that the AG Church does. And our youth here actually raise money and um, for missionaries to get vehicles so that they can get around. All our bags were in that other truck. And the three guys on our team got to take naps on our, on our bags while the nine girls were in this truck on wooden boards for six hours with me sliding off, and I had bruises. Um, yeah, so that was lovely. This is where we slept the first night we were in the Solomons, and I showed this picture because um, in the Solomon Islands, we flew from the main island to a different island, and um, this is pretty much how I slept for about two weeks on the floor because even though we did go to some places with beds, there was never enough beds for all of us, so I so kindly volunteered to sleep on the floor because I had a good mat. Shout out to Richard in the back. He knows how to camp. Um, so that was fun. This is a girl from the Solomon Islands. Her, na her hair is naturally blonde. It's a genetic thing that um, Solomon I Islanders have is they have bleach blonde hair naturally. I have no idea how I got there. Research it. It's a gen genetic thing. That's all I know. Um, so this is really cool. They gave us handmade lays at every service um, and everything that we showed up to. So these are actually real flowers. I think I had about three lays on right here. Um, and look at those outfits, man. I mean, that is just some fashion. We had to wear skirts down to our ankles the whole time to honor the culture, which was fun. But by the end, I just wanted, you know, to walk around in some shorts. Got that when I got home, though. Um, this picture was really cool because this is a baptism service that we attended in Papua New Guinea. Um, eight youth members of this church got baptized. Um, you know, we make baptism, baptism's a really big deal. Um, and you, what you can't see is um, the literally 200 people on a busy road and around just watching and honoring the people who are getting baptized. It was such a big ordeal, um, and it was so awesome to be a part of. This is me sharing my testimony, one of the million times that I did. This is me. Um, well, I prayed with this lady, but then afterwards she was laughing, so they captured a picture of it. Um, this is me and my friend Sid with the mamas. That's what the ladies of the house are called, the mamas. Um, they made us all this food and fruit, and they were just so kind. Uh, the lady on the end, she's actually a missionary from Fiji, and they started a Bible college. So that was cool. Um, the, our last day on Papua New Guinea, they dressed up in traditional dress to honor us and our time there, which was really cool. This is me and my team after the last service that we did in Papua New Guinea. They gave us traditional shirts, and they gave the guys traditional hats. I don't think any of our guys have them on right there. Kind of rude. Um, but <laughs> So that was cool. And then this last picture is the last selfie that I took on this trip with all the kids. Um, not the last selfie I took on the trip, but the last selfie with the kids. Um, so, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, thankful I get to share it with you. Um, today. And if you have any questions, please, please come talk to me. So yeah, Pastor Paul, it's all you, man.
Come on, tell them one more time how much you enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, let me wrap it up this way. One, on behalf of all of them, we want to say thank you because when you give here, we, we take portions of that and we use it for missions. And so um, our, our leadership decided a long time ago that if you're a planted member at our church and you go on a mission trip, we're going to fund 10% of it. And we couldn't do that if people at our church didn't give. So every time you give, you, you're like, I thought I was just dropping off offerings. You are. And then we're using that money to send people because we're a sending church. So uh, turn to the person next to you and say, good job. You're like, I thought I was just giving, but I was helping to fund missions around the world. We love that. We love that so much. Um, and then here's the second thing. I want you just to stand together. I'm going to close this this way. In Isaiah chapter 6, um, Isaiah has seen the Lord um, revealed. He's seen him in all of his glory. And here's what he says. He writes this down. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. My prayer over you, our prayer over you, is that you would feel called to mission. You might not go on a trip to another country, but I guarantee you there are people where you work, there are people that you eat with. You probably buy groceries at the same store all the time. Well, the same three store, right, because you're rotating Aldi and Harris Teeter and Foodline, depending on where the best sales are, right? But I bet you see the same people every time. But you get gas in the same places every time. We have the same neighbors, right? So life is mission. I love that. And mission is life. And so my prayer as I close this morning is that as I'm praying over you and we're commissioning you, that you would hear the voice of the Lord telling you where to go and who to speak to, right? It may not be around the world. It might be across the street. And our answer has got to be, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. So, Father, in your name, Jesus. We're asking that you would send, keep sending our church, God. Don't stop. As uncomfortable as it might be, and as hard as it can be sometimes to, to get the funding and to, to get all the details together, as uncomfortable as it might be to actually have a conversation with neighbors that we've not had conversations with, God, I pray that you would stir in us this hunger like Isaiah, just to simply say, I don't know all the details, but, but God, here I am, send me. And we know that you will. I pray that you would help us to carry the gospel out of here, Lord, that it would impact our worlds this week. In your name, Jesus, amen.